Thank you, folks, for passing those out. Anyone else, by the way? Does anyone else need a paper? All right. The New Testament recognizes that God has given to the church two offices. And those offices are deacons and elders, or deacons and pastors. Uh, When we get into talking about pastors or elders, I'll explain a little bit more about what those words mean. But I've given a little quick 30,000 feet glance at it here. Um, But here's what we learn. Their moral qualifications are the same. This is what's so interesting about the offices of deacon and pastor. Is that it basically says on a character standpoint, on a character basis, the the character qualifications are the same. Moreover, and I'm going to mention this in a, in a little while later, there is nothing peculiar about what a deacon or a pastor ought to be in terms of their character. They are simply to exude the fruit of the Spirit that every Christian is called to. And so, I think that we do ourselves a little bit of a disservice when we think that the officers of the church are to be the really, really good Christians and everybody else doesn't have to be. Okay. In other words, if you are a believer, you are called to the same kind of gospel-shaped living, whether or not you're a deacon or a pastor. And so, uh, hopefully, uh, that, that is clear. But the moral qualifications between a deacon and a pastor are the same, yet their functions are distinct. Deacons were set up in the early church to care for the practical needs of the church. While elders or pastors, whenever I say elders, just substitute the word pastor in your mind. Elders were given leadership for and oversight of the spiritual well-being of the flock. The word deacon means servant. The word elder is used interchangeably in the New Testament with pastor, shepherd, bishop, overseer. All of those words talk about the same office. Here's what the meaning of the word is The meaning of the word deacon, as mentioned above, it means servant. As Mark Dever has noted, uh, sometimes the word refers to waiting tables. And although this was considered a very lowly job in the first century, Jesus reframed deaconing in a positive light. This is what's so interesting about about many words that the New Testament uses. You think about the word steward, stewardship. Nobody talks that way. If you say, you know, I really feel like I need to be a good steward of of what I have, many times outside of the church, people are not going to understand what you mean when you you say that. Um, In similar fashion, if you tell someone, I just really appreciate your servant's heart. There are many people who will not think that that's a compliment. We, of course, believe that it's a compliment because Jesus elevated it as a compliment. But calling someone a servant many times is is almost to say, are are you saying you're beneath me? Well, Jesus basically said, yes, but it's a good thing to consider yourself beneath 
other people. Because whoever is first will be last in his kingdom, but whoever is last shall be first. And of course we know that whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And so in Jesus' economy, the... The, the, the pyramid is kind of flipped upside down. If you want to be great, you must become low. And if you elevate yourself, it shows that actually in God's economy, that is not the way things ought to be. And so, uh, secular business types have stumbled upon this. And now all these books are being written on servant leadership, right? No longer is the leader of the corporation supposed to be kind of the big wheel aloof you know the um, out of touch from everybody but he's supposed to be the one who's got his sleeves rolled up at the soup kitchen or something he's supposed to model servanthood well Jesus knew about this a long time ago before our Barnes and Nobles began to be filled up with books on servant leadership in John 12:26, this becomes very, very clear. As we look back to the original languages, I'm going to swap out a couple of words because the, uh, the word for deacon is, is actually used here. In John 12, 26, Jesus said, Whoever deacons me must follow me. And where I am, my deacon also will be. My Father will honor those who deacon me. There's a subject-verb agreement there. That's a typo. Again, in Matthew 20, 26, Jesus says, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your deacon, must be your servant. That's where greatness is. There's a book out there that I love. The t- I've never read the book, but I love the title. It says, Everybody wants to change the world. Nobody wants to do the dishes. Friends, to, to change the world, you've got to change some diapers. To change the world, you've got to wash some dishes. And the reality is everybody wants greatness, but nobody wants servanthood. But the reality is servanthood is the path to greatness in the Lord's eyes. So qualifications. How are deacons qualified? Well, the moral over the pragmatic. Here's what it says in 1 Timothy 3. Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. In other words, I've done some work on that verse to try to figure out exactly what it means. I I don't have time to unpack all of that, but here's basically what I have have found. They hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. It's basically shorthand for they act like they believe what they say they believe. From the scriptures. They hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. They can say, I have acted out of what I believe, and so my conscience is clear. And let them also be tested first, and then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Of course, the the word blameless, by the way, blameless is not the same thing as perfect. Okay? I try to confess to you, I'm, I'm, I'm your pastor, I'm the worst sinner that I know. I'm not perfect, but I hope to be blameless, which means I hope to be taking, taking care of my sins as they come along. I hope to be walking in repentance. I hope to be uh, running to the, to the throne of Jesus whenever I see uh, the, the, the effects of Genesis 3 showing up in my life or in my thoughts. Um, blameless. Uh, 
Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. So there's this idea that um, that, that when deacons have wives, uh, that the ministry has, has a family component. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their households well. This doesn't mean that a deacon must be married. Um, of course, you know, the, it, would be, it would be odd for the Apostle Paul uh, to, to, to give a qualification that he himself couldn't meet because he, of course, was not married. But when they are married, they must be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their households well. For those who serve as deacons, who serve well as deacons, gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. It's important to note that the qualifications for deacons are moral qualifications. Here's what I mean. This rules out choosing deacons merely on the basis of other things. Like, I, I, I have known churches that, has, that have chosen deacons based on um, a man's success in the business world. Okay? This is, not, this is not what makes a person a good deacon. Although it may be helpful. Prominence in the community or in the church, that's great. It's not enough. Or seniority. Uh, It's great. Not enough. Indeed, the moral qualifications for deacons and pastors are essentially the same, as I said earlier. The difference between qualifications between deacons and elders are basically this. Pastors, pastors they must have a calling from God and a desire. 1 Timothy 3.1 says, if you desire to pastor, you desire a noble task. And then he must also have the ability to teach, 1 Timothy 3, 2. This is what we're reading in 1 Timothy 3, verses 1 and 2. That's where the, the qualifications for pastors are just before what we read, the qualifications for deacons. So basically, morally, uh, by, by character, the standard is the same. It's important to know that the qualifications for deacons and elders aren't intended to suggest that these qualities should be unusual Indeed, all believers should exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. But deacons and elders should be so marked by these qualities that their reputation in the community is a help to the church and to the cause of Christ. Their character is above reproach. This doesn't mean, as I said a moment ago, that deacons should be perfect. Indeed, here's the thing. Many men I have known, I'll give you one story of a very good friend of mine uh, at a previous uh, church in South Carolina. The whole church... Thought he's a young man, late twenties. The whole church would have agreed this guy needs to be a deacon. And we went to him and we said, "Brother, you've been nominated to be a deacon. Would you be willing to consider this?" Uh, The the rest of the deacons are uh, are in agreement that you would be a great addition to to the ministry in this way. And and he said, "I just don't feel like I'm there yet." In other words, he didn't grasp for the, for the position or the title. He kind of shrunk back from it. And in a strange little ironic way, these are the kinds of men that you want to be your deacons and pastors. The men who don't think of themselves as, as deserving such a role. In other words, they simply desire to honor Christ. And then, of course, later, a year or two later, he, he agreed. He said, sure, I, I, think, I, think I, can, I think I can swing it now. Deacons and elders should be men who understand God's grace. They're judged not by a standard of perfection, but by a standard of grace. 
They repent when they err, and they live transformed lives out of the gospel. So, in other words, we have to balance a couple things. And I feel, I feel this tension myself as a pastor. Yes, it's possible for me to be disqualified. I don't believe that I've ever done anything in my life that would disqualify me biblically from, from, being, um, from being a pastor. But it's possible, and because of that, we have to be submitted to accountability. I have a group of friends uh, who are all in ministry, and we talk to one another every week to hold one another accountable. I have a couple of men in my life who have permission to ask me hard questions. They have the keys to ask me hard questions, to call me out if ever uh, they, have, they have a need to. So we're balancing the, the moral qualifications with the notion that, that we're not perfect. And so that's why I would ask you, as your pastor, would you pray for me? Would you pray that the Lord would keep me far from temptation? Would you pray that I would be running to Christ every day? Would you pray that I would be maintaining good accountability with other men of God that can watch out for me? And would you pray the same for our deacons so that we could be healthy, so that we could lead you in a healthy way? Here's the purpose. Biblical purpose on the back page. We've got to look to the book of Acts to see the biblical purpose, to see what were deacons uh, set up to do. Deacons were first selected to meet pressing needs, practical needs in the early church. This pattern, this, uh, this early pattern set the stage for the role of the New Testament deacon. So the purpose is this. Help advance the gospel. This is what's in bold. Help advance the gospel through meeting pressing needs. Uh, now in these days, it says in Acts chapter 6, Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews. And so you can imagine the scene. The early church, there's two groups. There's the Jews and the Gentiles. The Hellenists means Greeks, those who were from the Greek culture, not Hebrews. And then there were the Hebrews, the Jewish folks, who had come to believe in Jesus as the Messiah. And so both of these two groups, very different in culture, even different in race, different in upbringing, different in so many things. The Jews had grown up uh, perhaps going to the temple. They thought of themselves perhaps as very religious until they met Christ and realized that He was the, the way, the truth, and the life. And then you have the Hellenists, many of whom might have been complete pagans before coming to know Jesus. So you've got all these people in the same church... And what happens when you get a bunch of sinners in one place and you call it a church? Well, uh, there was a complaint. You've never known of any complaints to arise in a church, have you? Of course, that happens. As a part of living together as sinners, there's a book about marriage. A book about marriage that I love. It's called When Sinners Say I Do. Uh, you can imagine what, uh, what a church is. A church is when sinners come together and say, let's do life together. A complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And so uh, the purpose of the church or one of the, one of the functions of the church were to take care of those who are weak and vulnerable. It says in the book of James, we're going to read this before too long, that this is pure and undefiled religion, that you care for the widows and the orphans. Well, uh, this, this group was saying, hey... Some of our women are being neglected in the daily distribution of food and, and uh, items needed to live. 
And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. In other words, they're not saying, they're not saying that serving tables is somehow not a good thing to do. They're just saying that if we spend too much time doing that, we won't have enough time to preach the gospel. And so let's figure out a way that we might be able to function as a church. Hopefully, hopefully the apostles are the men who would be serving tables. But hopefully, the preaching of the gospel wouldn't wouldn't suffer as well. It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And so you, you begin to see this... I don't know if we could say a division of labor. This this wisdom kind of setup that the early church enters into and says, okay, pastors need to devote themselves to the spiritual care, the ministry of the word, the preaching, teaching, counseling, one house to another, as it says in the book of Acts. And the deacons can make sure that the practical matters are taken care of. So that the ministry of the word doesn't get held back at all because the ministry of the word has to continue. The flock needs to be brought in. Sinners need to be saved. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Procurus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicolaus, the proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. So this is not exactly a formula, but it is interesting what happened. Once the church figured out how they should be effective, what happened? The gospel went forth. The gospel was not held back, and it said that even... A great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Friends, this would not be like me going out and sharing the gospel with, with uh, you know, a neighbor here in town who just happens to be a Muslim. This would be like me sharing the gospel with the imam, with the, the Muslim guy who leads the church every Sunday, and him coming to know the Lord. Great movement of God. And so, this is our prayer, friends. This is our prayer for our church. That we would be a church that's effective so that others can hear the gospel. It's what every church should pray for. So, very practical. The deacons were chosen to resolve tensions within the church by meeting practical needs. Because of the ministry, because the ministry of the word is primary, the apostles needed to be free to continue their ministry. As such... Deacons were appointed to care for the physical needs so that the apostles could care directly for spiritual needs. So, here's what it might look like. It might look like a pastor doing marital counseling and a, and a deacon caring for the benevolence ministry. You, you see, see how that, that division of labor, helping one another, pushing the gospel forward might, might look Um, 
This does, not take, this does not make the ministry of deacons unspiritual. It doesn't do that in the least. Rather, it moves the wheels of the church ministry along by wisely discharging our call to care for the whole church. Dever and Lehman, Mark Dever and John, Jonathan Lehman, have uh, called deacons the shock absorbers of the church. They absorb shock not by just trying to keep everybody happy, but by meeting real and pressing needs and by resolving conflict. And so, um, I would say, just in a couple of words closing, I am so thankful to serve alongside the deacons that we have here at Trenton Baptist Church. I also know of many, many who do not hold the title deacon in this church, who every day are doing deaconing type things. Servants, servanthood type things. Friends, our church seems to be full of people who are ready to go at the drop of the hat to serve one another, to to wait tables, even if that's what the Lord calls them to. Um, Because, of course, on Wednesday nights I've been doing more of a teaching instead of a preaching. Hopefully it's still edifying. I just want to uh, uh, give the opportunity if you have any questions. I know that was a little brief, but if you have any questions, I'd be happy to take a stab at trying to give an answer. All right. Well, very good. Friends, I wonder if you'd pray with me. Would you pray with me? And we will conclude our time of teaching tonight. Lord, you have given good gifts to your church. You've given us Elders, the pastors. You've given us deacons. You've given us you've given us folks who, Lord, there are probably handfuls and handfuls of people in this church who never know all of the behind the scenes ministry that is done by people who aren't looking for attention. Lord, I thank you that that there is a spirit of servanthood at this church. I thank you for how you have given good gifts to your church through the different spiritual gifts that you've given to the individuals in this church. Lord, I pray for myself as, as a pastor, for our deacons who, who in many ways do deaconing and pastoring responsibilities. Lord, I pray that we would be made effective, that we would be servant leaders following in the pattern of Jesus. And Lord, we thank you for giving us a loving church that is patient with our weaknesses. Lord, I I ask that this year, because of the ministry of this church, that you would, you would send such an outpouring of your spirit on to Trenton Baptist Church and to the Trenton community that we could see, we could see something like what they saw in Acts chapter 6. When because of the ministry of the church, many came to hear and to believe and to turn and repent and to follow Jesus for the rest of their lives. God, would you do it? We pray, would you do it? Lord, as we go out from this place tonight, as we look toward next week, a night of guided prayer, I pray that you would prepare our hearts to come before your throne of grace in a way that might be 
new, but that will be good because you have promised to meet us when we approach your throne through Jesus Christ. Lord, we have the confidence that you have met with us tonight. I thank you that your spirit is in our midst. Would you care for all of the needs that were mentioned earlier? God, would you give us grace to know how we can minister uh, and be, as it were, Jesus with flesh on to those those who are around us and hurting? God, we ask in the name of Christ. Amen.